you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for the great treasure of knowing Jesus Christ. Thank you for not leaving us alone, but for sending your son for us. Somebody, somebody said to me this week that Jesus is God's selfie, right? He, this is how we know what God's like. This is what we see. This is how we see who God is. And so, Father, we thank you for this image, Jesus, this one who shows us exactly what you're like. Now, work that down into my, our hearts, not just as a fact, but just like our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we are in the middle of a sermon series here uh, called uh, The Good Life. And today I want to talk about the treasure of the kingdom of God. We are in Jesus' uh, famous series, sermon called uh, The Sermon on the Mount. It really is probably the most famous sermon that was ever preached. More people have heard it. More people have read it. And yet, of course, Jesus at the end of his sermon says, well, knowing it, hearing it isn't really the big deal. Doing it is the big deal. Like, this will be almost meaningless to you if you just go, there's another thing Jesus said. And it will be of eternal value to you if you say, Jesus said it, so that's how I want to build my life. And he does this little building illustration at the very end. At the front end of this, as we talked about two weeks ago, uh, Jesus is talking about how to relate to God in a right way and how relating to God, religion, can be wrong. Religion is not necessarily a bad uh, category, although in our, in our culture right now, it's getting to be like religion is a bad word. It's a neutral word. It's got in the center of the word, L-I-G, like ligament. Okay, Religion just refers to uh, connecting with God. Okay, that's a technical uh, thing. But religion, um, as opposed to relationship, as some Christians do sometimes, is, is about having uh, words for it, having a face for it, but not actually living that way, right? Okay, Jesus is highly critical of only one category of people, religious frauds, hypocrites, people who preach one thing and live another. People who teach other people to do something, but don't do anything to help them do that very thing themselves. He's talking about hypocrites. Hypocrites, in those days, it comes right from the concept of wearing a mask like an actor. Remember, if you ever see like a comedy, drama, there's masks in Greek theater. It's this idea of like, I have a mask. This is who I am. I'm, And he criticizes them early in Matthew 6, saying... Instead of when you're giving, blowing trumpets to be honored, have faith that God, who's unseen, sees you. And you can give in private, and you can give with faith. And any gift that's generous, that's out of faith, uh, honors God. He says, your, faith, your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. One of the things I want you to have in your heart as essential is that God is never shy in the Bible at saying there is a reward from uh, doing it God's way. There is a reward that comes. It's, this is not like, well, I guess if God says that I have to do it, there's no, no benefit to me. Just the opposite. What Jesus is saying is, I know how to really work with God so you don't have to fake it. You, so you don't need trumpets there, people thinking you're great when you give, or praying publicly to be seen, praying fancy prayers, praying long prayers. No, his promise is this. Your father, though he's unseen, though that's a big problem, right? That's a big problem for me. God's invisible, right? It's the problem of having to relate to someone who is real but unseen. 
That's why that little thought about Jesus being the selfie of God really helps me, actually. He's the icon of God, it says in, in Colossians. He is the exact representation of who God is. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus, who comes to represent him. And he says this, your father who's unseen sees what's done in secret, and he waits for you when you close the door and pray. Like, just don't make a big deal of it, but just some part of your life should be given over to getting away by yourself and talking to God, who will hear you and who will reward you, Jesus said, right? And then he talks about fasting, this thing where we kind of take one of our appetites and we say no to it in a specific way so that we might concentrate on our appetite for God. He says, when you do that, don't make a big show of how like holy you are, how, how hungry you are, or how much you're lacking. Instead, your father who's unseen sees what's done in secret. He says, just wash your face. Don't exaggerate fasting's difficulty to other people, okay? The whole point of Jesus, be real. There's actually a real relationship with God to be had out of this whole thing. Now, faith is making plans and acting in line with the way that the Father really wants things, based on the reliability of Jesus and what he told us. Okay, So Jesus comes to tell us what God really cares about. Faith is acting in line with that. When Jesus says, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe, what he's essentially saying is, God is taking this whole world and making it his way. So that may require change on your part. To cooperate with that, to enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven may take some change on your part. In fact, it probably always does. It takes change to let God be God. So here's the deal. Think about this. People, people want to go to heaven, right? Okay, it's a general thing. Like if I gave you an option, you'd like to go to heaven, Okay. What is heaven? Well, heaven is where God gets God's way, all right? Where everything is God's way. How could it possibly be that you would both want that, but not want that for your life here, right? Where God gets God's way with you, right? What, what the kingdom of heaven is, is this, is Jesus is saying, you know that thing you've always aspired to, you thought happens, it starts when you die, maybe, what if that could happen right now? What if the people of God could live in alignment with God, who believe that there is a Father who loves them, draws them into relationship with them, and will teach them how to do things His way, just like it'll be in heaven? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe, right? Just let yourself change so that you can cooperate along with it. Now, that being the case, Jesus saying, look, God's trying to make things his way. Um, he will often warn us about things that will oppose that. Okay, So as we go on now into the, this uh, section today, we're going to be in Matthew 6, 19 and on. Right? He says there's two things that sort of mock and strangle the kingdom of God in your life. They are earthly treasure and worry. There are two things, among others, I'm sure, that really strangle out what God is trying to do and his teaching you. So you're going to always live in this world where you've got these rumors from heaven, Jesus saying what he wants. He talks about God getting his way in your life. But then you've, you live in a culture that continually messages you like, but get money, have money. You need more money. You need a better iPhone. Right? 
right? So here's the deal, right? Don't you, don't you think it's funny the way that phones go? So phones go like this. They, you know, you get one, it's perfect. It's like the most amazing little tool you ever had in your hand. And then next year, now the new iPhone. Now you've got to have the new iPhone. It's got, it's got a new lens. It's got, you know, it's crazy. It's consumerism, okay? So earthly treasure, iPhones, houses, countertops, lawns, pools, money, bank account. I'm going to just say that these two things are not just things. Imagine them like monkeys in a zoo. Do you ever go to a zoo and the monkeys are just rowdy, right? I went to the zoo once and the monkeys are just rowdy and they're like banging on the glass, you know. And I think of worry and wealth as being like these monkeys banging on your cage all the time. Like Jesus is like, hey, man, I got something to say to you about money. I got something to say to you about worry. And then these monkeys are like, you should worry. You should worry. You should have more money. You should have more money. And they are distracting. That's our whole culture. Look, look, how close to the center of what's wrong with the world is this? We love money too much. We would do anything. We'd vote any way. You know, we'll sacrifice anything that we might have a better return. The stock market be up or worry, or anxiety. These things are right at the center of the anti-kingdom force of our life, right? Anxiety, how many people you know are anxious? How many people in here, you don't have to raise your hand, are anxious? <laughs> like this, this life freaks you out, right? And Jesus like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's, there's a whole other way to look at this. And the fact that we live in a world that tries to mock and strangle this thing is, is part of Jesus' message to us, okay? So let's take a look. I'm going to just show you something in Mark, and then we're going to get today's text here, okay? Here's Jesus. He gives a little parable. It's a farming parable. There's a farmer goes out. He throws some seeds around, you know, and uh, some of it doesn't do anything. Some lands on a path, gets eaten by birds. And then the third kind of seed that he says, this is what happens. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, Hear the word, the good news of the kingdom, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come and choke out the word. By the way, the word worry essentially means choke. I mean, the roots of it, the etymology of it, is to choke or to strangle, okay? uh, Look at at how Jesus says, you know, the deceitfulness of wealth and other things and the worries of this life come and they choke out what the God's trying to do in your life. God's trying, trying to teach you, here's how it's going to be in heaven. Nobody's going to worry in heaven. Nobody's going to pay anything for anything in heaven. There's not going to be any money. Nobody's going to be richer than anybody in heaven. Right? Right? Nobody's going to worry. It'd be perfect peace in heaven. All right? I want that to happen here. I want to start working in your heart in such a way that can Now, how is that ever going to happen? What, what are we going to do? The, what Jesus would say is, well, first, pay attention to what I'm teaching you. Jesus is an expert at life, and he's going to teach us some things. Now we'll get to today's text. Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourself treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye of the lamp is the body. Your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? A little ophthalmology lesson in there, right? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Just like Bob Dylan said, right? You cannot serve both God and money, okay? Strong words, strong last sentence of that section. Then he goes on to worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which you hear today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And he's actually, it's actually like a plural noun. You little faiths. You little faiths is the word that Jesus kind of invents there. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can we say amen to that last sentence? Yes, yes, each day has got problems, right? All right, so... Let's talk about treasures first, okay? Again, there's two things that will be screaming at you for the rest of your life. Pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And Jesus is going like, they do not have a hold on me. They don't have to have a hold on you. Your life, you'll be able to enter into God's way if you can uh, shut those monkeys up. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about treasures first. What's a treasure? Well, Interestingly, the word for treasure is thesaurus. Okay, so with this idea of a thesaurus, this book that has a you know, treasure of synonyms in it, like a, a dictionary sort of, uh, a thesaurus is what this word is here. But it's this idea of those things which you, you count up and store up. It's like the things that have value enough that you would pay attention to saving them, keeping them. You would treasure it like a pirate. You know, they get a cave. They steer, put all their gold there. Like treasure. Like they, they're hiding. Or we have a safe. Maybe you have a safe in your house or at the bank. You know, <clears throat> that you're taking some measure to keep it safe. It's interesting. It's a box, but we call it a safe, right? We call it a place where things stay safe. That's treasure. What you save, what you store, what you value above all the things. You got a lot of things in your house, probably. You don't treasure them all equally. Maybe some of them you put in a hiding place or you, you store it up. And treasure is an important part of the human experience. Our hearts are made for treasuring. We're going to be told to make some treasures here. It's important. Like You're, you're meant to treasure things. You're meant to... Um, care about some things over others, save something. You don't, you don't treasure paper plates, right? You use paper plates. Or maybe you don't because you're you know, environmentally sensitive. You know, but whatever, you don't treasure paper plate, but maybe there are things in your house that you do treasure. And sharing treasures is one of the ways that we build relationship with others. 
Sharing what you treasure is one of the ways that you connect with other people. You remember the movie um, High Fidelity some time ago? It's actually a TV show now, but this movie High Fidelity where these uh, guys in a record store would all sit around, swap uh, stories of what songs they treasure most. Rob, it's your turn. Okay, I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Hey. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a... Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection, the song is Radiation oh, Ruling the Nation. kind of a new record. <laughs> Remember that movie? It's a great movie, right? It's super interesting. But what are they doing? They're building friendships based on what do they value, what does the other person value, how does it compare. That's treasure. They, they treasure certain songs, right? All right, so that's what treasure is. Now, I, I have treasures in my life. I have earthly treasures in my life. You have earthly treasures in yours. I'll show you a couple of mine. Uh, think of this. What would you save in a fire, okay? That's what you treasure. What, what would you make sure is safe, right? So uh, this is my uh, grandfather, my pup-up's uh, whistle. He's a prison guard. Uh, it's, it's a police special whistle. It's a brass whistle. Uh, I could, but I'm not going. I'm mic'd. <laughs> we have a brand new board in the back. The team is thankful that I won't blow it into that. Okay. So this is a whistle. I really love this thing. It's from my pup-up. He's a tough guy, prison guard. Uh, just one of the real role models of my life. And this is just like a, an artifact that he held you know, and used daily throughout his career. I mean, it means a lot to me. It's a treasure. It, you don't care about it, because it's my grandfather, right? You know, like, but maybe you've got something like that. This is my uh, grandmother's Bible, which I, I especially treasure the, the uh, first page, which has her name in her distinct handwriting, which I totally remember, Dorothy Riker, Hamilton Square Baptist. <clears throat> love it, okay? I love that. And this is the thing that I really, when I was thinking about it, I think this is what I treasure the most in my life over here. Of all of our uh, belongings, I keep uh, five boxes like this near the front door for this specific reason. The reason we keep it there is if there was a fire, I could save it maybe, okay? So, <clears throat> you know, above all, treasure my wife, Barb. I would save her first, <laughs> right? After that, the dog, you know, love her, treasure her more than, you know, uh, my whistle for sure, right? Maybe I'd try to save the whistle, maybe the Bible, you know, but I would definitely, if I could, if I have an option, try to save these photographs. These are photographs, five boxes. One of the years we went to the shore, we took all the, you know, 43,000 photographs of the side of somebody's nose and sun flare and everything that you, you keep over the years before digital, right? Now I've just got, you know, like, you know, terabytes of digital photos of everything. But before digital, you would keep your photos of your family, right? Here's one of the photos of our family right here. Just uh, one of the treasures that I've kept. There's, this is all the kids and Barb. Uh, and they all look great at the same time, which is a great thing, right? You know, and they're just fantastic. I love these guys. And you know, we've got five boxes of photos like this that I would really make an effort, maybe even risk a little bit of burn or something to get those photos. But so I don't have to risk too much, I put it right where I could find it 
in that day, because I treasure this stuff, right? That's what treasure is, all right? But the idea of treasure is that they've, earthly treasure is it's got a kind of a vulnerability to it, like the photographs could burn. Or earlier, I was keeping my water right next to my treasured photographs, which is not an altogether smart thing to do. Why? Because they're vulnerable, and that's what Jesus says. The more you study Jesus, the more you see, like, this guy knows about life, right? So he says this, don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moss and vermin destroy or water tips over and pours on, where thieves break in and steal, right? The treasures of earth were going to have some kind of, like, vulnerability and certainly impermanence. They're not going to last and that's important. No matter what you think, what I think, the photographs that I have are not going to heaven with me, right? Pop up's whistle, not going to heaven, right? And so what Jesus is saying real practically is, though life may send you a message that things are important, getting a new iPhone, you know, a new car, new driveway, basketball, whatever, it's really secondary. And so if you make this stuff your treasure, especially treasuring it, over things that have a heavenly value, you're a fool, right? Don't store your, uh, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin and water and thieves can't get at it. You should. He's saying, he's, he's not talking about how to be religious. He's talking about how to live the rich life of heaven now. There will be no money in heaven. Nobody's going to be paying each other. Nobody's going to be richer. Nobody's going to be poor, right? He said, you can experiment with that now. Why? By not treasuring things, consumer gadgets, bigger houses. And you will have to just do business with God to say, do I treasure any of this stuff? That's part of what we're doing here right now. We're taking what Jesus says about life, and we're going to apply it to our lives. In fact, he says in verse 21, this stuff will reveal your heart. Not because it's like a test, because it is the case. Where your treasure is, what you value more than anything will be what you give your heart to. Your decisions will start getting made. So I mentioned in my prayer there are voting. Like it, a, a big thing with candidates is you know, who's made the stock market go highest? And if you value the stock market's value, you will say, this is the most important thing. So, so this is how you make your decisions. What do you spend your money on? You know, and what, you know, how do you live your life? Jesus is saying some things have only kind of immediate value. They have whistle value. Some things are like paper plates. They don't even have whistle value, Right? Some things have like big screen TV value, limited for any kind of lasting impact in your life. Jesus says, store up for yourself the uh, treasures in heaven. Well, what would be a treasure in heaven? Where is heaven even? Heaven is where God gets what God wants. Heaven is, has come into this world. Now, I will try to be clear about this always when I preach. No one will take away our idea that somehow after death it gets even better and lasts on and on and on and in continue, continual interest and, and value to us forever. We who are in Christ will live forever, Jesus said. But 
heaven has come into this world. And we can, picking up on the values of Jesus, live in the kingdom of heaven. We can, as it says in the Bible, enter the kingdom of heaven. We can, uh, we can advance the kingdom of heaven. What is heaven? Or what is, what is a treasure in heaven? I would say it's simply love. Okay? Loving God, understanding that God loves you, having a relationship with God, and then expressing it towards people, right? We used to say in youth group, uh, L-shape, right? L-shape, that's our faith is L-shape. Towards God, towards others. What, what is love? That will really last forever. Love will really last forever. Friendships will last forever. Uh, re, uh, connection with God, intimacy with God. That thing that you can experiment with during leap of faith, in leap of faith, what are we going to We're going to say the Lord's Prayer every day. Why? Because we're trying to get you to memorize the Lord's Prayer? No. Because your father says, come into a room and talk to me about the things that are important, like how close I am to you. Right? When we talk about heaven... When Jesus talks about heaven, our Father who art in heaven, I'm still King James. You know, I learned some things in King James. I'll never unlearn them that way. Our Father who art in heaven. He's not saying our Father who lives three planets away. Our Father who's invisible, big, sits on a golden throne with, I don't know, big gulps or whatever God does. I don't know what people think God does, right? Jesus is saying our Father who's in the very atmosphere all around us. Who's, who notices when, when a, a girl goes into her, her little private spot, maybe she hides under her covers and says, Jesus, do you hear me? He's like, yes. Your father cares about you. He knows you, hears you. That is a treasure in heaven. You knowing who God is to you and how he thinks about you is one of the deepest treasures you could ever have for your life. To daily go to sleep thinking, I am deeply loved and cared for by God is a treasure worth all the wealth in the world. All you got to think about is like really rich people who get so desperate, uh, you know, in their lack of having the right value system. To think, I mean, this exists. You know of stories like this. What Jesus is saying is you can love God and you can love other people in a way that will matter forever, that will, will stand the test of eternity that, that mattered, that impacted people for Christ, that impacted people for their well-being. Love. Love is the very center of all our theology, all that we know about God, all that God has commanded. Jesus says all the, all the commandments are summed up like this. Right? They are summed up. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so all of our decisions, if we say, you know, maybe the, the monkey that keeps screaming at me more, 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 more. Maybe the monkey's stupid. Maybe Jesus knows something about love, 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 love. Let us find again and again ways to love, ways to love, ways to love. How can we express God? How can we ultimately be like a selfie of God? He wants to form this in your heart by what you love, by what you treasure. You're made to treasure things. It's easy for me to say that whistle is more value than my, my big screen TV. Very easy for me to say that and believe it and re realize it. 
okay? But it's also important that I say, my relationship with God, my faithfulness to God is of more importance than anything. And that relationship with God keeps pushing me into this territory of what if I was living a kingdom life now? What if I was a reflection of how God is? And so Jesus says, yes, you've got treasures. You're made to treasure things, but they are of different values and you ought to weigh them rightly. You ought to be able to tell the difference between people and things, right? And this will teach you what your heart is so it's been said, I'm sure you've heard some preachers say somewhere along the line, you can look at somebody's checkbook or the Quicken account and see what they really value. Just straight up. You look at Quicken, you look at your calendar, and you'll see what you actually value in life, right? It reveals your heart. Your heart is shaped around stuff, right? Or not, right? But there's one more thing he says there. He says you'll have to choose. Well, let me just say something about this eye is the lamp of the body thing. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, it's not crazy. Jesus said it, but it's hard for us to relate to. Jesus, who, by the way, made eyes in the first place, he knows how eyes work, operates in the cultural science of the day. He's just, just saying, uh, you know how an eye works, right? How, like, when you look at stuff, a bunch of light comes into your body and fills your body with light, and then you can think of it. That's not how eyes work, okay? But that's how they thought eyes worked, okay? They, they think like somehow an eye is sort of like a lamp that receives light, and then if you look at a lot of good things, your body would be like filled with light. And so this is so hard for us to think of, like what are you trying to say? Well, your eyes are healthy, your body will be full of light? No, if your eyes are healthy, you'll be able to see, okay? Right, Jesus, I don't mean to correct you, but Jesus knew this, but he just operates within the worldview of the day, and then he says something, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body would be full of darkness, and then if the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You're like, what? What? Because the light within me is darkness, how great is the darkness? He's basically like this. If you get this stuff wrong, you're going to be screwed up. Okay? <laughs> this is a Mark Tyndall translation, right? <laughs> right? In other words, if you're telling yourself that what I value is God most, but actually what you value is stuff that related to wealth, you're going to get a lot of things wrong. You, how great is the darkness? How great is the darkness? Then he goes on, he says, look, ultimately, money's like a master. In fact, the word money there is, is uh, really a word for like the god of money. The, the god, he, he's putting this like a, a duel, like in the western, you know, old west, you know, like draw, right? Like money against god. That they, this, is, this is a competition. See what he says? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Either you will make money a tool to serve God, or you will make God subsidiary, a tool to serve your own income and wealth. Right? You cannot avoid this conflict. And we live with the monkey of consumerism in our ears. You gotta get more. Your phone's out of date. You know, your car's got a little rust spot underneath. You gotta, you gotta have more. These wheels are the right wheels, right? All of that. It's in your ears all the time. You're Americans, right? God bless the USA. 
But there's not, not every message that we have coming at us is the same message that Jesus would say to us. He says, you have to choose. Does your money serve, bow at the foot of God, or does your God bow at the foot of money? Right? This is strong because of where we live. It's not like this every place. When we go to Bolivia, like lots of people are basically poor, and it's like they don't know it or something. They're, they're, they're happy. They're, they're not aspiring to better tablecloths or, or what. They, it's like, it's just not there. They've got other problems. They're not perfect. They're not more, more holy than we are. They've just got other ways, other monkeys screaming at them. Okay? Now, he goes on to worry. And they're connected. Okay? He says that. You can tell he says it because uh, he says, therefore I tell you. Okay? So, if you're always worried about wealth, you're going to worry about where am I going to get that so I can eat and dress myself and drink, right? He says, it's like going to a party, eat, drink, get dressed, like all the things you would think about, okay? So first of all, let's start with the word worry. What does it mean? The word worry means uh, to strangle. It's just a, it's, it comes from that kind of root there, to strangle. It's a thing that would choke you out, like the thing in Mark 4 that I showed you, right? The seed grows up in the weeds, and the deceitfulness of wealth, and the lust for other things, and the worries of this world strangle out what God's trying to do in your life. That's worry. Now listen, I know that you guys worry. I worry too, right? So so it's kind of tough. Like, it's, Jesus is saying, don't worry. But you're like, Jesus, don't you know, like, what life is like? I was joking around with the, the first two services. You know, I, my, my son uh, used to ride a motorcycle. And when he was living with us in those days, and he'd go out and, you know, stay out late on a motorcycle. I knew he was riding up 95 to the city. And I just, you know, it's pretty hard not to worry. I love him. And it, and it just seemed like, like I had a fatherly responsibility to worry about his well-being. Does that not seem sort of close to home? Like, I know some people in my life who feel like I would not be a good mother or a good father if I didn't worry. Right? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. All right. So Jesus comes along. He says, don't worry. And then we have to figure out, well, okay, why? Why not worry? Well, he says down here in verse 32, because God knows. And what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to paint a picture for us of a God who knows what we need. Uh, you might think, I need to worry. Where am I going to get food? Where am I going to get clothes? And, and a, special, um, may I just, a special gesture towards people here who really do wonder, where am I going to get food? Where am I going to be able to drink? Where am I going to be able to live? How am I going to pay the rent? God bless you in this. May this be a comforting to you. The Bible says, Jesus says, when he talks about God, he says, God knows. God cares. Verse 32 there. For pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And he pictures the pagans. And, you know, he'll, it really means the nations, like all the people who don't know God. is just a general term. And we could go into a little bit more. But it doesn't, what he's really saying is anybody disconnected from God, all the disconnected people, they run like hamsters. And they spend their life 
boom, 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 boom. And a lot of their internal life is anxiety and worry. And they just run after, run after. He goes, it's like, why are you being like a pagan, he's saying. And there is a level of humor in this, too, by the way. He's like, why not be like a flower? Why not be like a bird? Do you know you're worth a lot of birds? Some of you are worth like 700 birds. You know, you're fantastic. You're just like 700, 800 bird people. I know a couple thousand bird people, right? You're worth so many birds to God, right? But the point is this, that God knows what you need, and God does a great job at caring for birds and for flowers. Solomon, a king, the picture of the wealthiest king in Israel's history. He goes, Solomon didn't have what the flowers at Longwood Gardens have. Right? They're beautiful. And yet they fade. But God doesn't say, because they fade, I won't clothe them well. A bunch of gray flowers there. Like, this flower is only going to live for three months. So I'll make it gray. I'll make it little. I'll make it shriveled. No, he's, they're glorious. And the picture is this. That God's trying to put you in a mindset that you are seen by God. That you are loved by God that he's aware of you, he's aware of the danger, the, uh, the, the possible infringements on your, on your welfare, but that he cares really well for birds and flowers, and of course he's going to care for you as well. It's like, why, why, don't, why don't you just be like a bird, he's saying, right? Why don't you be like a flower? Why don't you, I mean, the whole thing is, is filmed with, with, with or it's filmed, <laughs> it's told with such a whimsy to it. Like you guys, have this monkey of worry on your back and just screaming at you, unless you worry, this isn't going to get done. And he said, it's God who superintends your life. And then he goes on to talk, in, and I just put some of that passage is repeated here. He goes on to talk about tomorrow, about worrying about tomorrow, right? And I think what he's saying here is, it's natural to worry. Like, there's a lot of hardships in this life. Like, Read, read 34 there. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, what's he saying? He's going like, I know, it's a tough life. And when you get up tomorrow, there's going to be things that you could worry about, right? They're not going to go away. If you worry like extra hard today, you're not going to solve your worry cushion for the week, right? If you just dedicate Mondays, Mondays are for worrying, the rest of the week I'm free, no, it's not like it. He said, look, tomorrow, which is mostly what we worry about, okay? Worry is like this. Worry is when you like, live out like 40 negative consequences that couldn't all possibly happen, but you just take them into your system and digest and digest and digest. And toss and turn in your bed. And the Lord says, look, I would love to give you an alternative. An alternative to worry. And the alternative is seeking the kingdom of God. This may be the very central verse of maybe all the New Testament, but certainly of the Sermon on the Mount. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He doesn't say, look, stop worrying. Who cares what happens? He says, it's going to be taken care of. I care for the birds. I'll care for your kid. Right? I care for the flowers. I'll care for your future. I was here yesterday. I'll be here tomorrow. And the alternative that he gives to worry is seeking his kingdom. It's, it's to say, God, I want you to 
bring into my life the way it is going to be forever and ever and ever as you rule and have your way in what we think of as heaven, okay? We could always explore that more, but just when everything is God's way, I'm going to ask for that now, and I'm going to look for it. Where is there anyone who could tell us what is true about God, that he loves us, that he's a father, that he's paying attention to our kids, that he's paying attention to our need for clothing and rent? It's Jesus. Jesus, who's coming so strong in this message against the false gods of, of, of earthly value, of earthly treasure and worry, who scream at you, what kind, of, what kind of father doesn't worry about their kids, right? Are you nuts giving this money to help Convoy of Hope respond to the hurricane, right? Right? Isn't that the like, background voice of our, our whole culture? And Jesus is going, no, you're not nuts. You're, you're somebody who gets what is valuable at the bigger level. Let me give you a couple of things to try as we walk away from this. One, I'll just say this. Make your own little high-fidelity list. Your three dearest earthly treasures. Super interesting. I was thinking about this. I was trying to think, what do I actually treasure? What things do I have that I treasure? And it's not a lot. A lot of things I could just rotate out of my life with no problem at all. A couple things that I really don't think I could without feeling a little grief, like those photos. I, I would hate to lose our photos, right? But what do you actually treasure? It would be a great conversation as you eat lunch today. What are your three earthly treasures in your life? What, what's really valuable that you own? And then what are your dearest heavenly treasures? Like the love of your family or... You're, you're coming into awareness of how much God loves you. What do you really value? That's what Jesus says. Just keep storing that up. Keep getting richer and richer in knowing this is how heaven is. This is how God is. This is the way things are going to matter. I want to I buy in. I want to invest there, right? Here's another thing. Take time to consider how money and God compete for your heart. It's different around the room. We, we all have different things. We've all been told different things. Maybe you just think, wow, the, the, this is where the money thing gets down to it. This is money screaming at me. You have to pay attention to me, right? And then here's another one. Dedicate your money to the pursuit of God or dedicate God to your pursuit of money. Jesus is saying, you have to choose. You got to serve somebody. And money will compete directly for God. So why not settle it right now? Why not say to your money, for the rest of my life, you will serve the king and his kingdom. This money, money, you are little, you are a tool, you are printed up in a mint scattered around the country, you are a digital uh, you know, factoid in some computer, you are a tool for me to serve my king. Or... Say to God, the main thing I'm going to pray for is more money, God. You serve money. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. I'm going to solve the problem of that screaming monkey by obeying it. That's what Jesus says you have to do. You have to choose between money and God. And lastly, do not worry about tomorrow. Instead, use this leap of faith season of Lent that we've got coming up starting on Wednesday. We'll talk more about it Sunday, right? Use this time 
not to become like a better prayer, like add more religion to your life, but to train your heart how to love what God uh, has for us, like a relationship with a father who call you into a little room. Let's talk about life. Let's not worry. Let's talk. Why don't you stand up? We'll pray together.